This is Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Time to talk travel, and I wonder if you've ever contemplated heading to Sarawak, the largest territory in Malaysia. Uh, plenty of Australians have. It's located on the island of Borneo, and its cultural and natural diversity is proving very appealing to a lot of travellers. It's twenty got 27 ethnic groups. They speak 45 different dialects. It's got 37 national parks, and there's wildlife including the orangutan uh, everywhere. And, of course, tremendous food. The uh, Sarawak laksa, which the late American chef and food writer Anthony Bourdain put on the world stage, he declared it the breakfast of the gods. Well, who wouldn't go there for that? Travel writer Belinda Jackson's done some exploring, and she's with us now. Belinda, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Hi, Phil. Great to be here. Terrific to have you with us too. Uh Yes, but Sarawak's become an increasingly popular destination for Australians over recent years. It's not highly populated. What drew you there anyway? Uh, I think it was the laksa, actually, to be perfectly really? blunt with you. <laughs> you, would go all uh, that somebody... wa- you would go all that way for a bowl of food? <laughs> I absolutely would. You know, if Anthony Bourdain says it's a breakfast of the gods, I'm like, take me there now. You so, better tell me about it then. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about uh, Sarawak is, and, and the whole of Borneo, you know, it's incredibly diverse, one of the most diverse places on the world. Mm. So that means everything there is just, and it's an island, everything is going to be more curious, more interesting, more evolved. And, um, and that, you know, that's that goes to the wildlife, as you were saying, orangutans and things like sun bears and, and you know, bizarre alligators and, and, and bear cats and things like that. And then it also goes through to the food as well. And, and I, you know, I reckon I'm pretty good with food, but um, Sarawak had me blown away just by just the diversity of food, you know. Whoever knew that there were orange eggplants? I, I certainly didn't. And I thought that was a good enough reason to go, isn't it? No. Well, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. Tell me about the, tell me about the laksa first. I want to uh, – what is it? Um, well, uh, laksa – so it is a breakfast food in, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, we, we tend to get a heavy, you know, quite a coconut-heavy, rich – um, rich laksa that you've got, you know, the, the noodles underneath with the soup and then it's... I mean, that's right. It's essentially yeah, yeah. A, it's a, it's a dish of noodles in, drowned in soup with all sorts of other things in it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But the one in laksa is, and this goes with the fact that it's, you know, it's a, it's a it, you know, seriously hot place. Mm. The laksa that you have there and the one that Bourdain tried and the one that I ate for breakfast, lunch and dinner... Um, is quite a bit lighter than than uh, than what you would normally that what we're used to here in Australia. I went back to the cafe that Anthony Bourdain had been sitting in and drinking the laksa when he made this declaration, and I think he he dropped it on Twitter or Instagram, and of course the place went crazy. But I dropped into Chuhun Cafe, which is in Kuching, which is the capital of of Sarawak, and it's a really basic neighbourhood kopitam. Um, you know, a, a mm. sort of neighbourhood cafe where everyone drops in, drinks tea, drinks coffee, has breakfast and stuff. It's got plastic tables and chairs. We're not talking about Michelin star here at all, but this is, you know, this is this is ground zero for Malaysian food basically. And the the laksa is it's it's lighter. It's got lots of lemongrass and tamarind, and it's got that lovely salty shrimp paste. And then it's poured over thin rice vermicelli, which are called bihun noodles mm-hmm. uh, in Sarawak. And and then it's got a couple of prawns thrown over the top. It's got bean sprouts and thin strips of omelette. And then you throw in your chilli sambal and 
you squeeze a calamansi, which is like a tasty citrus. It's a cross between lemon, lime and mandarin. So that's your bowl of morning fabulousness. <laughs> <laughs> why, why wouldn't no, you travel no. for that? It does, sound, it does sound very good. Look, let's go, let's go back to the beginning. Sarawak has got an interesting history, hasn't it? It was sort of basically controlled by the Sultan of Brunei until the early part of the 19th century, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, there were no, there were really no borders there. I mean, no. re- a lot of that grew up from trade agreements and protectionism and things like that because there was quite a notorious pirate scene there. And when you go to, when you fly into Kuching, you come over a peninsula first, Santambong Peninsula, which was like pirate haven. It was just riddled with them. And, um, and they ended up um it ended up being controlled by by a british guy which they called the white raja which was quite fascinating um the brook family then became uh, had a dynasty that ran for just over 100 years uh in in that area and became separate to brunei and then eventually you know we had outbreak of world war 2 then it then it got um drawn into the Malaysian yeah. uh, group from 63. But one of my favourite things about um, about this white, uh, about James Brooke, this uh, this white Raja. The white Raja, as Yeah, so it. he was, you know, he was sitting in this 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 area that, you know, sitting in the jungle, they, you know, as you were saying earlier, different ethnic tribes everywhere. There was not a lot of harmony between the tribes at the time. He knitted a lot of them together just to, you know, stop everybody from raiding each other and to create some level of, of, of law and prosperity. And when I speak to... Sarawakians today, they, you know, they they still consider this guy. When you look at it from outside, maybe you think, you know, oh, this is outrageous colonialism. But from inside, a couple of Sarawakians were saying to me, you know, he really he knitted us together as as uh, as a you know as a country state <laughs> at the moment. But one of my favourite things that I loved about him was apparently he was a fan of Jane Austen and he used to sit in the forest and read Jane Austen novels out to his out to the listening audience. And I thought, he sounds like a great guy. I'd love to meet him. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It is, it is, as you say, though, <laughs> straight up colonialism, but there you are. It's, yeah. uh, so Kaching is the capital of Sarawak. It's, uh, uh, the, the population is only quite small. It's, what, two, two and a half million or something? Yeah, that's right. And still 26 or so different ethnic groups. Right. And, you know, what's interesting about it too is that um, Malaysia is a predominantly Muslim country. This yeah. is a predominantly Christian uh, state, the whole state. Oh, so okay. it's it's quite diverse in that sense. But then amongst that, you know, there's still, um, you know, really big um, uh, animist uh, um, following there. I went to the fantastic new um, museum in Kuching mm-hmm. and uh, the Borneo Cultures Museum. Um, its main exhibition was on shamanism in in Sarawak, which is which is just inbuilt into the society. And you know, they talk about how shamans can sense changes in the psychic atmosphere and how that relates to day to day activities you know from the birth of children to to weddings and and negotiations between different people for uh, financial transactions it's really a part of the society and i i think that just makes it adds an extra layer of fantasticness to it really mm. so so the big reasons to go i mean apart from the laksa which is a mm. reason to go it is one of the other chief reasons to go <laughs> To go is to see orangutans as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about that. Um, well, there's a bit of pathos in this part of it because, um, you know, orangutans, the Borneo orangutan is endangered. Some even argue that it's critically endangered. Um, and that's 
due largely to things like land land clearing, you know, agriculture, logging. The pet trade has had a pretty big part in that. I mean, who ever thought that they should have an orangutan uh, as a pet? Mm. I, I personally don't know, but um, people do think that. And then, you know, of course, they've got to be rescued out of these pretty awful situations in which they find themselves. But you can see... Um, semi-wild orangutans at, at a sanctuary just south of Kaching. So it's about 15 minutes. And this is really the biggest draw card for for this this part of the state. And the Semengo orangutan sanctuary, it's been um, breeding orangutans over the years. And so what happens is they have uh, t- uh, twice daily, they, they feed the orangutans. So they've got these platforms that are set into the jungle that you wander into and they leave a pile of food there and then the orangutans come and eat them. Ironically, the success of the day is marked on whether they turn up or not. If they don't turn up, it's actually a good thing because it means that there's a lot of fruit and food in the forest and they're out foraging naturally for themselves. So it is, especially in you know, in the in the fruiting season, you'll maybe, they, they always say, you might not see them because they are still mostly wild. Although the day that I went, only one turned up and she was um, a very old lady in her, like in her late, mid to late 30s and she was just like yeah you know what I'm not going out and foraging anymore someone's handing me bananas literally handing me bananas I'm just going to hang around here so um, there's an element of pathos about it because you just know that uh, Mm. there's only so much land that they can have and that and that sort of tips over to the other place that I visited there um, with that bent, which was a, a sister property called Matang which is a wildlife rescue center Mm -hmm. um, about half an hour away and and in that rescue centre, there's there's a, a UK-funded uh, um, Malaysian conservation group that was founded in 2006, and its aim was to help orangutans that had been, you know, uh, uh, you know, had been brought up, maybe been brought up to with humans, so that they're not afraid, which means that you know they won't protect themselves and they won't hide, and you know, you know, those problems when you've got wildlife that have been too well handled. Um, so from the pet trade, and then also from logging as well. But then this group has expanded to also provide homes or temporary homes or shelter and medicine for um, for sun bears as well. And that, aside from the Luxa, the sun bears were something, were a major draw card for me. Right, I mean, they're right. just these, these beautiful, critically endangered bears that, um, you know, they're really strange looking animals, have almost like blue eyes and, um, you know, and, and there's even crocodiles and things like that are being helped, uh, that are being um, healed and housed in right. this rescue centre. Whether they find a home after that is another thing because of the, you know, the land clearing in such countries. So, you know, in a way it's a bit of a go, you know, last chance to see kind of thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's um, all right. So places to stay, there are a couple of boutique hotels. You also stayed in a, a homestay in the jungle. Oh, I did too. So, I mean, you can, you know, Kuching has got uh, um, hotels that range for all budgets. You know, mm-hmm. there's the the big names are in there. There's a couple of I quite like the boutique ones because they're usually locally run uh, as well. There's one right in the centre of the city called the Rani, which is um, you know uses the uh, indigenous styles in it. And another one on the Santambong Peninsula. You know that part riddled with crocodiles and and pirates in the past. Now the crocodiles are still there. The pirates have been edged away, but it's a really beautiful. Um, um, hotel that's run by a local uh, a local family and they've built overwater bungalows so you can look over the over the mangroves and see if you can spot crocodiles and things like that which is really exciting and then the other place that I stayed as you mentioned was was a homestay a village stay down on the Malaysian Indonesian border and um, 
I stayed with a really great uh, – there's a, a young woman called Saloma who is part of the Bedea tribe, which is the second biggest of those ethnic ethnicities that mm-hmm. still re- remains in Sarawak. So you go and stay with, with, um, with Saloma, with her family and her dogs. And, uh, and, you know, the funniest thing – and they take you through walks through the rainforest or through the jungles. And, you know, you really get to find all, all of the, those incredible foods that are growing. You know, things like mangoes that could be easily mistaken for cannonballs and um, – <laughs> You know, different kind of forest ferns. Like a lot of the food that you'll actually find in the markets and in some of the restaurants is is straight from the forest. So you only get it for a, maybe a month or two months of the year and, and everybody really treasures it. It's not agriculturally, you know, it's not farmed food. Oh, so okay. this, You ate something called midden, which is a, a fiddle-headed fern. Yeah, delicious. So beautiful greens that that yeah. that are, um, you know, that are just tossed lightly through a wok with a bit of garlic, and you know, absolutely, you feel healthful while you're eating them. And we ate those sorts of things. I mean, I ate them in actually in Kaching in, in a couple of restaurants, but then also at Salomas, we were eating what her family, what the Badeu tribe would normally eat, and you sleep in, you know, um, in uh, in open, almost open air um, tree houses mm-hmm. that are that are built within the forest, and then she takes you for walks through um, through the through the jungles which is just you know and the waterfalls I I went in uh, November just as and, and it does rain look it rains you know like you're just <laughs> gonna have to accept it the the upside of the rain is the down you know the downside is oh damn I'm gonna have to sit down and have a cup of coffee and watch the beautiful rain just pouring through the through mm. the jungle the upside then is that the waterfalls are sensational so if you're a bit of a wild swimmer which I am mm. you know if you don't mind jumping into into um, fresh rain and water pools and this is the place for you to go to. So you hike through the jungle for a bit, get all hot, jump into a waterfall and then keep going. And uh, yeah, and Saloma's just, you know, she's really open and welcoming for an experience that you possibly would not normally have. No. In, it, well, you wouldn't have it anywhere else in no. the world. Okay. So, all right. Jungle trekking, orangutans, tremendous food. It does sound like a place worth a visit. <laughs> have I sold you on it yet? I you should so. go. It's amazing. So. All right. Sarawak, um, our guide, has been Belinda Jackson. Is it easy to get there, Belinda? Where do you fly to? Yeah, well, you can fly in through uh, Kuala Lumpur and then mm. you connect on. Um, so it's only uh, about an hour and a half from KL. The right. funny thing was when Sar- Sarawak has you, – you do have to go through an immigration process to go through because when they became part of Malaysia, they said, well, hang on a second, we're going to – you know, we're going to have a little bit of control over it. The other way to get in, you can fly into Singapore and then jump across from there. So you've oh, okay. actually got two ways to, to yeah. meet. Okay. Belinda, good to um, – thank you for being our guide. A pleasure as always. Ben. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.